On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about North Korea. Rumors are rife again that its leader is dead or in a coma or sick or something. And now the stories are that his sister is going to take over whenever the day comes that someone needs to take over, which will be much nicer, right? not so much the stories are that she may be worse than he is we'll we'll discuss that one we'll also talk about what has been happening in the nba and the nhl tonight and the nba and the major league baseball and major league soccer with the protest what does this mean where does it go we'll be chatting about all that enjoy today on the scott radley show on 900 chml over the last number of days uh, we have again this is not the first time we've heard this but we've begun hearing stories that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is seriously ill or is in a coma or may already be dead or something. Um, it, it's a little hard to tell. The The news coverage out of North Korea isn't exactly always the most accurate. So really kind of hard to know exactly what's going on. And as I say, we have heard this before more than once. Anyway. Um, and keep in mind the coverage out of there once upon a time, not that long ago, the anchor person on the North Korean news, uh, said we vow with bleeding tears to call Kim Jong-un our Supreme commander. When you're having bleeding tears, I'm not sure how much I'm going to tr- much I'm going to trust in what you're going to say about him after that. Anyway, the second part of this story is that if, and when he ever does pass away and he will at some point, but his sister is apparently being groomed to take over, which sounds like good news, right? I mean, (coughs) excuse me, replace the tyrannical madman with, you know, maybe with his sister, who maybe she's a lighter touch. Maybe she's a little more friendly. Maybe she's less maniacal. Well, hmm, some say she's worse. Not exactly encouraging. Let me bring in Dr. Charles Burton. He is a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Thanks for doing this tonight, Dr. Burton. Appreciate it. Good to speak with you, Scott. Uh, you are a man of compassion. You are not a man who relishes in others' misfortune. That said, should we be hoping or wanting to believe that Kim Jong-un has passed away? Would that be a good thing for the world? It's very hard to say. You know, um, the North Koreans released photographs ostensibly of him today um, at a large meeting over um, North Korea's response to COVID-19. Whether the pictures are real or fake, whether he's uh, in a coma or whether it's a political illness because of, you know, factional issues probably within their military, where the sister fits in, we really don't know. But what we do know is that, you know, Korea, North Korea is one of the most horrendous um, regimes on Earth. Out of their 25 million people, 10 million are barely surviving. Their food security is, uh, is just not there. It's very repressive in terms of, of political norms and huge numbers of political prisoners living under very, very harsh conditions. And, uh, you know, any instability, of course, is a cause for concern. As you say, if if uh, Kim Jong-un's going out and uh, his sister Kim Yo-jong is coming in, maybe um, they, to assert her power, she would have to engage in a major purge. You know, we've heard that some of these purges involve lining um, 
the uh, the, the the soon-to-be uh, former official in front of a wall and hitting them with a rocket launcher or pulling them out of official meetings and you know there are all sorts of horrendous stories some of which may be true so from that point of view you know of course the, the ideal would be if if the south koreans were able to reunify north korea as we saw between west germany and east germany and bring about a society based on justice and the rule of law and economic prosperity but uh you know we've been waiting for that for quite a long time and to prevent that eventuality, they've been developing offensive nuclear weapons that could cause, you know, one of the great tragedies of, of this century if, if they make a mistake or blow something up like Japan. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's really the issue here is under normal circumstances, North Korea, it's not that big a country. And, you know, there are other countries that have wingnut leaders, uh, and I, I'm not saying wingnut jokingly, I mean, you've just outlined the stuff that he ha- he and his father before that and his father before that have done. Uh, but because they have nuclear weapons, I mean, it becomes a really, really serious issue about the line of succession and, and who takes over and whether they are better. Yes, and, and we, if there was instability or a civil war, would one of the factions be inclined to blast off one of those things? You know, we just don't know, but we cannot rule that possibility out. But, you know, the bottom line is we have very little solid information about what's going on in North Korea. And what we'd really like to see would be the one country that does have influence there, the People's Republic of China, um, being more assertive in trying to bring about a peaceful transition to a more stable regime based on, you know, human norms that we can identify with as opposed to Mm. this uh, family-run autocracy based on on enormous brutality, terror, and economic uh, injustice. As horrible as it is, Charles, and I mean, clearly every story we ever hear coming out of there is exactly as you've described. It's just a horror show. Somehow, and it's, it's, you know, psychological brainwashing, I don't know what you call it, the people there have been brought up to seemingly almost believe that whoever is their leader is a god. And I don't know whether that's just for show or if they really believe that, but if there's any part of that that really is true, it becomes very difficult to change the culture, change the dynamic. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's certainly true. I I lived in China in the 70s when China was also closed off and also had a personality cult of Chairman Mao and nuclear weapons. And because of the lack of information about the outside world, people believed what their government was telling them and had genuine love for the for the dictatorial leader in this case chairman mao who had inflicted you know untold suffering on the people over a period of his rule but you know was still firmly in command with strong popular support so within north korea if there was a complete breakdown and the international community came in to maintain order one could expect that the people would be resistant it's not as if they'd be welcoming the south koreans to uh, to restore that country, but that they would retain um, loyalty to this brutal cult-like uh, regime, which has been dominating North Korea for so long that there's hardly anyone there who remembers anything different. What What is the view of women in North Korea? Could a woman easily take over the reins and go in charge, or do they not see women that way? Uh, well, that's exactly a problem because, you know, within North Korea, women are, are confined to these traditional roles. You don't have 
much in the way of, of women in senior roles in the regime. It's a patriarchal regime. And so for Kim uh, Yo-Yong to take over, she would probably have to demonstrate her strength to, to cow those men who would be skeptical mm. of the ability of a woman to serve as an authoritative leadership figure, and that's that's why there's uh, concern. She's already done uh, one thing, which was you know, pretty demonstrative of her attitude, which is in June she complained about uh, North Korean defectors living in South Korea sending balloons across with anti-North Korean regime leaflets across the border. Um, you know, South Korea didn't do anything about it. She then uh, ordered the destruction of the inter-Korean liaison office, which was the office that coordinated contact between the South and the North, you know, arranging for business and arranging for when the North Korean athletes joined the South Korean athletes partially in the 2020 Olympics. Anyway, $8 billion four-story building, um, $8 million, I mean, four-story building built by South Korea, was just uh, blown to smithereens, uh, apropos of nothing very much. So, you know, you don't respond to what her concerns over these balloons with the propaganda leaflet. Your $8 million building gets blown to the ground, and the building next door where the South Korean officials had been living, is an apartment building, was destroyed by the impact of the blast to the extent it can't be used. So, you know, so much for trying to uh, let's get together and talk this out and see what small progress we can make. Uh, clearly, um, the inter-Korean liaison office is, is over, and probably the North Koreans will ask for more concessions before they'll consider any any further even um, engagement uh, with South Korea or nations of the West. Yeah, and you know, the irony of this is that the last time that I recall seeing her on the world stage, now, you know, I don't pay attention to every coming and going in North Korea, but was during the Olympics in South Korea when she was in South Korea as sort of a part of the charm offensive. And she was there to, you know, kind of show North Korea to be a, a place that's not really so bad if you're looking in from the outside, from the rest of the world. And and then you hear this and you hear these stories that, yeah, that may have completely been a wolf in sheep's clothing that she may be even worse. And and Charles, you're, you're exactly right, too. If, if people are living in a society that doesn't think women can be strong, there is one way to show women can be strong. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah. you know, I mean, that's been a problem for a lot of women leaders. But nowadays, um, you know, some of the best governments in the world have uh, women as their leaders. So, you know, it does go to show that maybe we need more women, not, not less. But uh, I think certainly where the future of of North Korea lies remains very much in 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 question. You know, Donald Trump uh, tried his best to buddy buddy up with uh, Kim Jong Un, which you know is pretty hard to refry, considering that that man is guilty of enormous crimes against humanity uh, many times over, and how you could you know treat him in a in, in a civil way and pretend that. He's uh, your colleague as a leader of a nation. It sort of boggles the mind, but that hasn't got anywhere either. And North Korea is showing no signs of um, of weakening its repressive nature because the, all the elite of that regime know that if they um, if things opened up and if North Korea, if South Korea was able to come in to to reunify the country, that those people would all end up um, guilty of very serious crimes and and. Mm would be subject to very serious consequences. So 
they're going to do their best to cling to power any way possible, and that what seems to work is the nuclear threat and extreme repression of dissent. I was just going to ask you that. That okay? So let's play hypothetical, and maybe a completely crazy thing to even throw out there. But let's say that she did take control and decided, like she was going to be the one extending the olive branch and saying, you know what, we're no longer crazy town over here. We're we're wanting to be part of the world community, and we don't want to be causing problems anymore. What would happen to her within the country? Well, I don't think that she would be allowed to do that. Of course, these you know these uh, leaders are are really the front men for a military regime with complicated factional interests and and um, uh, large elites that need to be catered to by the leader through the provision of you know expensive Western goods that are brought in against the embargo. You know, North Korea brings in a lot of expensive French brandy and and high-end German cars to keep their their military people happy. So if there was any indication that she was going to do, say, uh, Gorbachev and and open up uh, Korea through uh, reform and, and uh, transparency, uh, I, I think that the, um, the existing elite there would, would crush her like a bug and uh, she would surely disappear to places unknown or be accused of crimes and subject to a public execution or something like that. I mean, in that sort of regime, there there really isn't a lot of latitude for for her to, to be seen as the person who makes history by restoring North Korea to the community of nations and, and to contemporary norms of governance based on the rights of citizens and uh, and uh, do, you know, rule by law as opposed to rule by by fiat from from uh, autocratic dictators. Dr. Charles Burton, senior fellow with the McDonald Laurie Institute, very much appreciate the time tonight. Thanks for doing this. Good to speak with you, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in our good friend, our very good friend, Bubba O'Neill, who we love having on the show as often as we can get him here, sir. How are you tonight? I'm great. I'm wondering if the if there's weather conditions in Illinois at the BMW Championship there where McKenzie is just doing so well because he's in second place at one under. Right? Like, yeah, I you know what I didn't get to watch any of it, but my yeah. son texted me when I said to him I said McKenzie's in uh in at that time he was in first and he goes it's playing really hard. So I think there must oh. be something going on because well, yeah, it's must, uh either that or it's like, either that or they've set that course up like a US Open Championship. Well, maybe after last weekend when Dustin Johnson went 30 <laughs> under, they said, we're, we're reducing the size of the holes to a thimble size. You're going to have to force the ball in this time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's a totally different world, isn't it? One week to the next on the yeah. tour? That, that was what, what, what happened last week. I mean, you know, and to be honest, it, it becomes, uh, I think even for the golfers, somewhat boring. And I, Dustin obviously wanted to win the title, and that gives him, you know, obviously a lot of money and status and world number one points. I think he moved up to number three. But uh, even for him, I think he was talking about the track just being far too easy for him. I mean, and especially with these long bombers nowadays, where, you know, some of these some of these 350-yard par fours are just reachable in one mm. shot. It, it's just it, they've got a... They've got to, you know, as they did back in the day, kind of tiger-proof some of these courses to make them a little more challenging. I, I We were talking the other day somewhere about uh, NHL overtime games in the playoffs, and I made the comment, this was after, who was it who just had that super long one the other day, um, went into the fifth overtime. And I said, there comes a point 
in those that you don't want it to end. Let it go nine or 10 or 11 or let's, I mean, if you're this far in, let's just go for it and have it go on forever. I kind of feel the same about golf. I don't want guys to shoot 30 under cause it's ridiculous, wow. but by the time you get to 21 or 22 and you got a day left, okay, now we're at the point where let, yeah, let's see you get to 30 because if we're going to be doing it silly, let's really do it silly then. And so, you know, I, I would prefer it not be like that, but you know, I thought last week was kind of entertaining while he was trying to get there to that number. Anyway, right. let us move on for a moment here to slightly more serious things that are going on in the world. Um, I'm sure everybody by now knows what started last night with the NBA, where some teams decided they were not going to play um, in protest. And that led to a few major league baseball teams and some major league soccer teams and, um, tonight the NHL is not playing and the NBA now here's where Bobby, here's where the story. And I want to ask you about this because I'm not sure I exactly understand what the NBA guys are doing. And I'm not talking about the protest itself. I'm not sure that they didn't take a moment that they had immense amounts of power because they did and give a lot of it back by saying, but we're going to play tomorrow. Cause really then all they did was just postpone a game rather than taking this a further step? Well, I, I, I disagree entirely. Um, I think the fact that they're not playing is massive. That's never happened before, Scott, where players have said, we're not playing. And I think whether that, and, and obviously we're not privy to the many meetings, and there was a meeting with the Board of Governors today, which I'm sure many things were laid out between the players and the Board of Governors for the NBA, like, making like. up certain, certain types of stipulations that we will return. I think ultimately these are athletes and they do want to play. And we've said this so many, so many times where athletes have a platform and an ability to make change or at least make a statement. And the fact that games were not played for the first time ever in the playoffs for you know, other than reasons than COVID or anything like that, that where they just banded together and said we're not playing, I think was a big, big statement because what we saw was a trickle-down effect. The WNBA, which I, my goodness, what they did last night, I thought was just unbelievable with that show of, of solidarity of all four teams that were supposed to play, um, you know, showing up all together. I think, and then, everyone, and then everyone else basically except for the NHL, five of six games in the MLS, Major League Baseball games, I think three or four of them, uh, many of the black players are saying I'm not playing. I think that in itself, Scott, is a statement uh, in itself. And, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying by games are just postponed, but I think the message was sent by just them not playing. Look, I, there's no question that a message was sent, and there's absolutely no doubt that it has created an awful lot of conversation. I mean, look, we're talking about, it's been talked about nonstop today. I was on with Bill Kelly about it this morning. I was on with Scott Thompson. I know you've been talking to people. Like, it's everywhere. And so... In that regard, it has clearly had a kind of an impact. I just, I don't know how lingering or, or you know, like in, in a society where we tend to have the attention span of a garden net. And but that's exactly why they did that, Scott. Because, I mean, and Pascal Siakam, listening him to speak, listening to him speak on Wednesday was just, it, it ripped my heart out, okay? Here's a guy, let's figure this out too, where he's come from in Africa, where as a black man, and he's not from South Africa, he's from you know, parts of Africa where the major percentage of people are black. And he comes to a place like this, 
you know, North America, which where he's now the minority, trying to make a living, you know, uh, develop himself as a basketball player. The story about Pascal Osiakim, if you don't know about it, I think you should read about it. It's a great story, a great hometown story especially. And they may, they're trying to make these statements with Black Lives Matter. And this goes back to, you know, to three months ago. Um, you know, with Black Lives Matter and, uh, and just trying to raise awareness to social injustice and racial injustice. And basically, a better part of three months later, another man is gunned down. So whatever power they do have, which is playing or not playing, I mean, they can't do much more than that other than just say we're not going to play forever, which who knows? I mean, you had LeBron James and, and, and the L.A. Lakers and the Clippers that were ready to walk out of the bubble, period. Right, and that would have been an even bigger statement that the playoffs were just over. Well, so, and that's kind of what I had thought was going to happen, truthfully. I really did. Yesterday night, I was absolutely convinced they were not going to come back for that reason, because I thought, well, if they just come back, it's just a postponement, even though everybody's talking about it. Whereas if they really make the statement, it's, you know what, we're done. We're out of here. We're not, we're, we've got other things to worry about here. And, and that's what I had expected to happen, honestly. Well, and perhaps, as I said, the meeting with the Board of Governors changed the attitudes of some people. Because when you have someone like LeBron James ready to put the play... Let's be honest, LeBron's not a young guy anymore. This could be his last chance at winning a championship. And if he's willing to say, I'm out of here, based on what's going on, and for many people that did not see his, the tweet that he put out there... I mean, I can't remember too many times with Tiger Woods, the Tiger Woods, with LeBron James using an expletive and saying what he said in that short tweet about just basically saying, "I'm fed up and I'm sick of what's going on today." Um, that's a big statement to me, um, and perhaps there was something said in those meetings with the Board of Governors because at some point the players only can do so much, but the league, the owners have to do other things as well too and that also includes backing the republican party it could mean a whole lot of things that we just don't really know about right now yeah i i I would hate to think truthfully i and i say this legitimately i would hate to think that when they say change because i mean look i i believe the players are being genuine when they're saying we want change I, i i'm not disputing or doubting that at all but I would hate to think that this whole thing is just a political rally saying, if you get Donald Trump out of the White House, everything is perfect and everything is fine. And therefore this is just a voting thing. I don't believe that's the case, No, um, I don't, but that's, I, but that's I, how that's being interpreted in some corners now saying, look, the change thereafter is just to make a change. Well, look, there was a shooting, a police shooting that led to riots when Obama was in office in Missouri. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't, it, it, I don't know that changing one person yeah, I mean, changes the world like that. God, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but did you hear, hear what Donald Trump said today? I'm not defending the man. I'm not, no, I'm not defending the man. I just, just I think it's bigger. I understand. I understand. And I I live in the, I live in Canada and I can understand. I mean, he has said some very downright, I think for a president, I don't know what the word to use here. I'll just go with very unprecedented things to say about the National Basketball Association. Right. And and we cannot hide the fact that the NBA of all leagues is a black league. Right. That is, that is, I mean, where players are the most powerful of any sport, basketball is, it's the way it's, it's designed. The CBA is the only one where basically the players have more control than the owners. 
uh, the owners. And this league is worldwide. It's the only worldwide league that is watched everywhere um, is the NBA. So it's got a lot of power. And if you're not getting the backing of towards, uh, you know, some type, again, social injustice, you're doing the right thing, um, meeting with players, trying to make better, uh, better in the community. I know no league that is in its community. And I know we, we do a lot here in the CFL. We see a lot here in the CFL, the NHL to some extent, Major League Baseball, I question. But the NBA are very intertwined inside the community. And when you have a president or a leadership that does not back and, in fact, goes out of its way to criticize, I think that's why you're getting the WNBA and the NBA speaking to many people any time they get a microphone saying, go out and vote. You know, Nick Nurse, right, an American that lives in Canada for the most part, he is one of, one of the biggest leaders of it. I've seen the hoodies that he's wearing, the hoodies and the hats that he's had designed, talking about himself. And he put himself under the gun by saying, I guess whatever studies he found out, that 95% of all Americans living in Canada did not vote last year. And he said, I was one of them. But that will not, be a, that will not happen ever again. I would love to see, because I believe the players right now certainly have the ear of many people, and I, I understand that yesterday was not the time because it was things were happening on the fly. But I would love to see players as a group or as individuals take the step, go a step further than what they said yesterday where they said, we want change, because there was a lot of tweets and stuff saying change, we want change, and outline what the change is, and maybe it is just political, but what the change is specifically that they want. And, and that's not, I'm not being facetious or silly or anything. I think it would be, re, change is such a wide, vague concept. Yes, we would like change. I'm hoping now they'll use the ear that they have of people and say, okay, now that you're listening, here's the change we're looking for, because then you can move towards something rather than leaving it as this sort of vague notion that, well, that could be almost anything. Oh, it's Scott, I think you're, you're totally missing the point here. But that's why the players are so upset this time around, because a platform was given to them um, with the death of George Floyd three months ago. And that's why they, they asked, look, if we're going to come back and play basketball during this COVID time, I mean, remember, they're playing during a pandemic here. You know, the ones that decided to play, to come up, to, to go to Orlando and live in a bubble away from their families. And I know people are out there saying, well, they're still getting paid millions of dollars. You know, you try being away from your family. Look at the Raptors. They less well, actually, they're not because That's, it's playoff time. Right. right. I mean, they've been away from their families for, 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 you know, going on months now. Right. They asked for to, to, to make change. They, they requested. They went out there. They're wearing the hats. Black Lives Matter. They, they asked to, to wear these jerseys during games that don't even, in some cases don't even say their, their, their last names. They're leaving messages. They're, they're wearing hats. They're, wearing, they're going out there. They're speaking to the kids. They're speaking to the public. Anytime they have press conferences, it's something that they're talking about. And this is why they're saying we don't know what to do anymore, because in that three months, We've gone out and done as much as we can. Millions of dollars by players, including LeBron James with the most, have been put towards programs to, 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 to help blacks and you know, blacks and browns, if you want to go that far as well, too, to, 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 to sort of, you know, again, alert them of proper ways to, to act, proper ways to, to behave in terms of the police. And people are still getting shot. People are still being killed. 
So this is why this time they're saying we want change because we've tried to make change and it's not working. They're frustrated. Uh, that, no, I, look, they're you and I are actually, you, you and I help. are actually not disagreeing here. You and I are not disagreeing. I'm saying no, no. they are asking for change. And I'm saying now that you've got the ear of the public outline clearly, take the next step and say, okay, here is the change that we are really looking for. Lay it out so that there is a clear path towards that change, as opposed to just leaving it at, we want change. That's all I'm saying is make it, use the advantage you have. I can only come back, come back at you like that. And I I understand what you're saying, but I'll say this as, as, as a black man, a a man in his fifties right now and, and a black man, like, I, I think the, what we're seeing right now is a lot of blacks saying, we need help. We've asked for, I don't know how, how long have we been asking for things? How many times have we been asking for a platform to make change and trying and gone on our own, whether it be governments, there is finally a black president, all these kind of, kinds of things that have happened over the last 20 to 30 years or since the, you know, 40 years since the 50 years, I guess, since the, the death of Martin Luther King, you know, probably the, the most revered leader uh, of all blacks ever, a guy that put his life on the line and ended up dying for it, dying for the cause. So maybe at some point it's up to it again, and I'll turn it again on the owners, the old white men owners, to start making some of those calls. Because you're saying, I know what you're saying here. You're saying, well, what do you guys, well, you guys outline what you want for change. I think it's pretty obvious what we want for change. Maybe so, maybe someone else who's got, who have bigger fish to fry, who have more money than these players, and that being the owners and the league, leagues and the league and the leagues, I'll say, in sports, can take a leadership role in this and not just leaving it to the black players to say, because I do hear this. I do hear this from the NHL. I've heard this from the NHL in the past. Well, what do you, what do you, what can we do to help you guys? Well, you guys friggin' figure it out. Right? Because we've done all we can. We've tried to raise awareness. We've tried to be in the community. I, I, I'm seeing more and more black leadership out there trying to make change, and it's not working. We need help. That's why these but, players are so upset. It is, uh, it, is a, it is a topic that's going to be going on. There's no question about that. I don't think that... Uh, them going back to play all of a sudden on Saturday or I think it's Saturday they're going back is suddenly going to, to end this. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be talked about a lot, trying to figure that stuff out and, uh, and where it goes from here. Always love having you on. Thanks. Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. A pleasure there. Thank you so much. The Scott Radley show. Weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley show podcast is available on Apple podcast, Google podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.